Podcast One and Forbes present Mentoring Moments with Denise Rastari, a show where women you may never meet will become your mentors. Join Denise in her New York City apartment and tap into her conversations with successful women who are dropping the V-bombs. That's right, they're getting vulnerable. Now, here's your host, Denise Rastari. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to my apartment in New York City. When I was in my 20s, I was stalked by my ex-boyfriend. He was about 10 years older than me, very successful, high-profiled attorney. I lived in Washington, D.C. He lived in Washington, D.C. And he was one of those, I'll put it in air quotes, a catch, right? Everybody wanted him. And we dated and everything was going great. And, but there was something that was off about him. But I kept thinking, he's this high-profiled attorney, he's so cool, it must be me. And after about six, seven months, it was like, you know what, this isn't working. It just isn't working. So we ended the relationship. Well, really, I ended the relationship. So his name is Frank, and he was not happy about that. You just don't pull out from Frank. So my mom, I go to visit my mom for the weekend. She lives in Pittsburgh. And I come home, and this is pre-cell phone days. And I come home, and my phone, I'm entering my apartment. I'm living in Washington, D.C., in this efficiency apartment. And I'm entering the apartment with my bags, and the phone is ringing off the hook. And it's my mom. I pick up, and my mom's like, honey, I'm so worried about you. Frank has been calling nonstop. And he's like, where is she? Where did she go? And I'm like, you know, mom, it's no big deal. You know Frank. I mean, you know, he's just, okay, he loves me so much. He's just upset we broke up. So he's, she's like, okay, honey, but just be careful. I'm really worried about this. I'm like, mom, no need to worry. So, you know, I get off the phone and I'm thinking, my mother, whatever. Yeah, she's just worried. Oh, she's being a mom. So I go into my closet. I open the door and there he is <gasps> hiding in my closet. <gasps> and I'm, I'm like not only speechless, but my heart is like pumping. I, I, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. Now, keep in mind, I'm in my 20s, right? I'm like in my, late, my mid to late 20s. And after I calm down, he explains that how he got into the apartment, because he did not have a key to my apartment. He got in because such a high-profiled attorney, he knows a lot of people who can get into things, including my apartment. What? And he was able to get past the front desk because I dated him for a while. The people saw him, so they just thought, you know, he was there. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I calmed down. Everything is like, it's okay. It's okay. He's apologetic, right? I'm so sorry. I don't know why I did this. I was crazy, blah, blah, blah. He leaves. My friends are like, Denise, crazy when I tell them the story. They're like, Crazy always comes with more crazy. Crazy is never alone. It's like a mouse. My husband always says, if you see a mouse, mm -hmm. there's always more mice around, right? There's never mm -hmm. one mouse. There's never one cockroach. There are always more of them. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm like, you know, please calm down. My friends are wrong. I mean, why would I date a guy who is crazy? So a couple of weeks go by and everything's fine. And I'm like, see, I was right. My friends were wrong. Then one day I come home, I go into my efficiency apartment, the bed's in my apartment, in the middle of my apartment, and there are five sweaters that I had given him over the years, all of them with a knife in the heart of the oh sweater. Oh my God. <gasps> and that's what I said. Oh my God. So but I said that, but also I was on the fifth floor 
and I had a balcony and the door to my balcony was wide open and the curtains were blowing. So I knew he was there. I mean, in my head, it's like, he's somewhere here. So I go running out, I go over to my neighbors and I'm like, we have to, we call the police, we call the police. Well, the police get there. By the time the police get there, he obviously was in my apartment because none of the sweaters are there. Nothing is there. So when I'm telling this story to the police, they're like, when they hear his name, they're like, you know, well, Mr. So-and-so would never do that because mm-hmm. he's fairly well known. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, why would I make that up? I mean, yeah. why would I make that up? But they were like, no. So it's a long story. But finally, what I did was I went to the human resources department in DC to file for a restraining order against him. And while I was there, that was one of my first experiences with seeing women who were abused. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the women who had black eyes. They had, yeah, they had. It, it was it was just an awful scene of mm-hmm. seeing women physically abused. Right. Telling stories like this, right. you know, I didn't really do anything wrong. I just didn't have any food in the refrigerator, and that's why he pushed me down the stairs. Mm-hmm. And I thought. I'm not like them. Yeah. I, I have a rich boyfriend mm-hmm. who just went a little crazy. Mm-hmm. The long I'll jump forward to today is I look back on that story and I will go back to crazy follows crazy. And I was making excuses for this guy, right? He's not crazy. He's this normal. So my the moral to the story is when you see crazy, there's more crazy. Get out. Yeah. When you start making excuses for someone, stop. Right. Don't make excuses for other people. That doesn't mean you're not empathetic to people when mm-hmm. they're in need or there's a difference between mm-hmm. making excuses and empathy and just get out because just keep the visual in mind. A cockroach is never by itself. There are always many, many more. And that's what crazy does. Good Lord. And that's my mentoring moment. And the voices of that is like in the background are my two guests who are like, who are sitting here saying, buckle okay, up. They're, they're buckle up, right? <laughs> So the voice that you can hear the closest, <laughs> and, they all, and they already have questions. They already have questions. So before I tell you who the person you've been listening hearing, <laughs> yeah. did you ever wonder who drives the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile? I mean, think about that. Did you ever think who drives a hot dog down the street or better called the hot dog highway, right? Mm-hmm. And so Robin... Gelfenbein is here with me today, and she is one of those people who drove the Wienermobile. It was her first real job mm-hmm. out of college. Mm-hmm. And I still think she misses it because <laughs> there is a piece of her that is still in that Wienermobile. Mm. But today she is a comedian and a storyteller and a writer. And I saw Robin has a great series, a live show here in New York um, called Yum's the Word. And she also has a podcast called Yum's the Word. And what's so cool about the show is that the show itself is just great. It's storytelling. It's funny storytelling with such great messages. It's just a great show. But you're welcome. But Robin also makes homemade ice cream cakes for the people in the audience, for people who have birthdays. But everybody gets to have a piece of the cake. So I was there a week ago and I had this great mint chocolate chip ice cream cake that Robin made. Yes, I'm not the only person that thinks Robin is fabulous. I know, I'm not. In addition to your mother and your aunt who think you're fabulous. (laughs) Thank you. um, CBS thinks she's fabulous. New York Times, Time Out New York. The list goes on. Um, She's written for Rosie O'Donnell. 
She has been in a commercial with Spike Lee. And now when she's not on stage, she helps people. She helps teach us to tell our stories. So for everyone who's ever written to me or said to me, how do you tell your story? Mm -hmm. This would be a great podcast to keep on listening to because (laughs) Robin knows how to tell a story. So Robin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Denise. This is such a pleasure. I'm so thrilled to be on your podcast. I was getting verklempt already. I'm like, (laughs) oh my God. Plus hearing your story, I just, when you were talking about the visual of the cockroaches, all I can picture is this visual of these five sweaters with the knife in the heart. And that that is what will stick with me. And that's actually very good storytelling on your part because we always want to go for something specific. I also thought of Fatal Attraction because that is such a terrifying story. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. But, but I'm glad thank you. you're okay. I am. And, you know, I... Because I want to get to your story, but I do want to say this, that as horrifying as that was, I wish that I could say that's the last time Mm -hmm. that I got involved in crazy, whether it's professional or business. Okay. I mean, I never dated a stalker after that. And as a matter of fact, I think there's another piece of that story. When I started dating somebody after Frank, I called my brother and I said, you're going to love him. Hmm. He would never, he would never think about hiding in my closet. (laughs) And my brother's like, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. The criteria for who makes a good person doesn't mean that they don't hide in your closet. Most people would not hide in your closet. So don't make that your criteria. Set the bar really low. Right, 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 (laughs) right. So I went from. Do you breathe? Right. right. Is there a potential you will sneak into my apartment? (laughs) And if if you say, if either one of those are no, then I'm like, okay, well, yes to breathing, but no to sneaking in my apartment. So I do not want to get into your mentoring moment, Mm -hmm. that story, that something that happened to you that is that aha moment Mm -hmm. that really changed your life. Yeah. So, um, as you pointed out, I do a lot of different things, comedian, writer, storyteller. And one of the other things that I have done for many years is I'm a freelance creative director. And so years ago, this was, let me think like seven years ago, right around the time that the recession hit. And I took this position at this one very well-known ad agency. And I would love to tell you that it's no longer like Mad Men is completely a farce and it's not like that. Well, it's totally still like that in many ways. The only difference is people just don't drink at the office um, quite as much. And, um, And so I took this job just truly because I needed the money and it wasn't exactly the kind of work I wanted to be doing. But I worked for this guy who was an executive creative director and he... He had this very sort of interesting look about him. He had like a page boy haircut, a page boy hat, like for Craig, every day was throwback Thursday. <laughs> and, um, and I just had a hard time respecting him, but I just would suck it up all the time because he would do things like, um, like reach for your popcorn without asking. He'd circulate pictures of himself in like a loincloth also, a loincloth? Yeah, yeah. And that raises so many questions. Totally. And he, he, I remember we had a meeting where we were like as close as you and I are sitting and he whipped out his toenail clippers. Um, but you just kind of put all these things aside because you just think, well, I just need to hold this job for a little while. And there was one night um, that he came into my office and I was sitting there focusing on something and and he, he tickled me right near, like basically like my side boob. And I was by myself and I just jumped and I said, you know, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, you know, I was just trying to scare you. And I was like, well, mission accomplished. Um, 
And so then from then I just thought I need to keep my eye on this guy. Um, but I also felt like I couldn't say anything because when you're freelance, it's really tricky because they can let you go like that. Um, and the work I was doing was like couponing and things like this that were not at all interesting to me, but cause I previously worked on stuff for top chef and Vera Wang, like very high profile. And I just thought, just suck it up as long as you can. So then, um, there was another time where I was like leaned over somebody's, um, desk, an art director looking at this Photoshop document. And I just felt somebody, um, like kick my butt. And I shot up and it was him. And I said, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm just messing around. You can kick me back. And I said, well, I don't want to. I'm trying to like, I'm working, you know, like I'm a professional. I mean, I'm a comedian. So like, yes, of course I like joking around, but this is very unprofessional. So, um, and I, but I was very proud of myself, um, at the time because I said, you know what, Craig, you put the ass in harassment. <laughs> That's a good one. Mm-hmm. That's Thanks. a really good one. You're, you're welcome. Right on the You're spot. very proud of yourself. Yeah. I was very proud of myself at the time because, right. like, I love puns right. and I'm right. a writer. That's and so good. I was like, way to go, Gil from right. mine. Um, and then, anyway, there was another uh, guy in the office who was a complete misogynist. And every time I would talk to him, he would just ignore me completely. There was one time we went to um, visit a client. It was across the GWB. And on the way home, I said, I need you to drop me off. Um on the, not on the side of the road, but off the West side highway, because it's Passover. He didn't listen to me. We got completely turned around. I was like, I know New Jersey. I drove the Wienermobile all over the place. <laughs> I know this whole area. We went two hours out of the way and, um, I missed Passover. He dropped himself off down in the village. And I just, I had, I couldn't stand this guy. So one, uh, this finally, this one project came through that I thought this is actually something completely in my wheelhouse. It was, um, for good humor and it was for their 90th anniversary. And as you know, I make ice cream cakes. So I thought I know every like ice cream pun known to man, like, you know, when it's free cone day for Ben and Jerry's, I'm like, get your free cone, get your free cone, <laughs> get your free cone. And, um, so I, all I did was come up with a bunch of names and this guy, we'll call him Joe. Joe didn't like it. All these emails are circulating. The guy who's ignoring me all the time. Um, and then I get this email from Craig, the executive creative director that's been forwarded from Joe. And Joe says, we need to take Robin off this project. She's not creative and she has no talent. And that hit me so hard, just a dagger in my heart because this whole time I've been trying to keep, you know, my work happening. I'm trying to keep my head down and just focus on the work and just, you know, give me my paycheck. And it, I, I, I was in a big open space and I started to cry and I'm, I'm somebody who's really tough and I don't break in those moments. And I certainly don't cry in the office. Um, so I ran to the stairwell and I was like just bawling. And I also picked a horrible stairwell because it was like on the way to the cafeteria. So all these people were passing me and it was just so mortified. And, and, um, and the reason it hit me so hard was because, um, in college, I went to Syracuse university and I was horribly bullied by about 60 guys and they completely ripped my self-esteem right out of my body. And, um, and so I had no confidence senior year. I didn't think I was creative. And that was when I was applying for the Wienermobile job and all signs showed that I was very creative because it's a hard job to get. And I wound up getting their attention. Um, and landing the job, but it just took me back to that time. And it made me so angry because I thought, all you do is ignore me. How dare you say these things to me? You have no idea. 
And so I went on a tear looking for Craig because he really was ultimately the bad guy, if you will, because I never should have seen that message. And um, I found him in the elevator and there were other people in the elevator. And I know usually you should be sort of polite and don't bring up things, but I couldn't hold back. And I said, why, why did you send me that? There's no reason I should have seen that. And he said, I just wanted you to know I was defending you. I said, I can stand up for myself, which was something I hadn't done for a long time. Certainly with all the bullying I went through, I didn't really stand up for myself very well in those moments. And, um, and he's like, you know, if you want to work in this business, you need to have thick skin. I was like, I do have thick skin. And, and I said, and if you want to work in this business, you need to stop sending pictures of yourself from Burning Man. <laughs> and I was just like, mic drop out, you know, and like he was so embarrassed on this elevator. There were all these people like, what is happening? And um, from then on, like I had very few interactions with him. He um, I, I just I couldn't take him anymore and uh he eventually got fired and then i got moved on to something that was completely on a project that they respected me they appreciated my talent and creativity and it was for wonka candy and raisinets and i was very very happy um but yeah it was a pretty pretty difficult time so i have so many questions through this and i i hate to say this because it's a reality that i wish weren't a reality Mm -hmm. but this isn't the only story, right, of women being treated so horribly yeah. in the workplace. Sure. Um, and I'm not bringing your story into that, but I'm just saying it's a great story because so many women can relate to this. Sure. As Hillary Clinton has said, sure. we've all been there, right? Mm-hmm. We've all been, we've all been brought down. Yeah. I think though, what makes it so different is you didn't let it define you. Mm-hmm. Like I think so often we allow what people to say about us mm-hmm. as, as tough as we can act on the outside sure. and say, you know, and we can be, we can have our quips and we can sound really cool. You know, we can really sound like we're powerful yeah. deep down. It's like, he's right. I don't have a creative bone in my body. Yeah. Yeah. So what was it that, or how did you not go into that space and let him define you? Because I was bullied in high school too. So it was like high school and college. College was far worse. And because I had that experience where they thought I looked like a man and I believed them and I was terrified to go anywhere. And it, cause that followed me for about four years. So that was in college and high school. So high school wasn't high school was the hockey team. College was about 60 guys. And some of them were on, were on the football team. So, um, but they called me Vargas. It was this character from fast times at Ridgemont high. And they thought I looked like this science teacher. Um, and at first I didn't even know what they were saying. I mean, they would scream it out the windows in my dorm. They would yell it at me in the dining hall. They would call and leave me messages on my answering machine. They'd call and wake me up in the middle of the night. It was, it was persistent. And, um, I was determined to go to the Newhouse school at Syracuse because it's a very well-known communications program. And that was my driving force. And I, my whole mission was they're not, they're not beating me. They're not beating me. Cause I didn't get into the program initially. I had to transfer in at Syracuse and, and I just thought it'll stop, it'll stop, it'll stop. And so, it, you know, it it kind of did. I did report them, um, and there was one night where I was confronted by one of them one on one, which was actually a very powerful moment. Because um, like had, physically confronted? No, it was they, they. So I reported them to the judicial board, and they needed um, they needed to write me letters of apology and they only charged five of them with this. And this was like, this was like the early nineties. So nobody talked about bullying the way they do now. And my residence director didn't take me seriously because she said they're breaking into cars and beating people up all the time. Like you should consider yourself lucky, which 
did not help. And right. if anything, it, it, it hurt me so much because it was so hard for me to just say that anything was happening. Um, so anyway, so the main guy, Chris, came to my door one night to give me this letter of apology. And I remember I was, um, my roommate wasn't there. I was like rolling up my posters, like my erasure and in excess posters to go home for the summer. And I had my door cracked open. I was probably like singing, you know, Les Mis or something. And he shows up at the door. And it was the first time I wasn't afraid to see him. They cornered me in the elevator. I mean, they, they seem to find me all the time. And he's staring at the floor. His hand is shaking. And I said, hi, Chris. And I reached out and I shook my hand. I said, I'm Robin. And he said, um, uh, they told me I had to give you this. And it was this folded up piece of like yellow notebook paper. I said, I know, come in. And he's just stunned. And he comes in, he sits on my little twin bed with my little pink comforter, my far side calendar behind him. And I roll my seat up to him. And the reason I was so confident in that moment was for two reasons. One, he was by himself and you could tell he was very nervous. But the bigger thing was I had been studying nonviolent action and social change all year. And I thought, this is a perfect opportunity to put what I'm learning into action. I'm like, this is my the Gandhi moment. That you are. <laughs> yeah, total overachiever. I was like, Martin Luther King is going to be so proud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and I like get in like closer than you and I are sitting. I was truly like in his face. And I said, you know, I just want to know like why I don't, we just met. Right. And he's just shaking his head. He doesn't know what to say. And he had nothing to say. I said, you've made my life a living hell. And I want you to tell your buddies to stop. I never want to hear that name again. Cause I couldn't say Vargas. It was so hard to like when, um, I think Elizabeth Vargas was working for ABC at the time and I would hear her name on the air and I would just shudder mm-hmm. just then just the name because it was like around the clock. I heard this name all the time. Um, so I was proud of myself for doing it at the time, but then, you know, that it only, it didn't really help. Like they still would look at me and snicker and sneer and all that. And that's enough to just bring it all back to you. And I'm so sorry that you went through all of that. Thanks. I mean, I'm happy that I've come out of it. Right. Like sometimes I think back and I go, wow, cause I'm such a different person now because I wanted to, I totally wanted to end it. I was like, I have nothing to live for. And, um, and what kept you from not ending it? Auntie, your uh-huh. and the Wienermobile. Oh, so yeah, we're getting teary-eyed as you can probably hear in our voices. Um, it, I didn't it, think I was it, gonna get so right. Up. <laughs> her favorite. I swear, word. I'm funny. <laughs> her favorite word, um, one of her favorite words. No, it really is touching. And I think that those those times never go away, right? They live with us and they they, they keep coming up at mm. the times when you don't want mm-hmm. them to come up. Those visuals, those thoughts that make you question yourself or sometimes just make you stronger because you know that you can get through it, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I want to talk about, I could talk about this forever with sure. you, but I want to talk about some other things. But I do want to give something to our listeners on if they're in that situation, mm-hmm. what do you do? How do you let it not define you? I mean, I, my biggest thing is just always advocate for yourself and def- definitely report it as much as you can. I mean, I know uh, now there's greater resources for these sorts of things in the workplace and outside of the workplace. And I know a lot of times people don't take these kinds of things seriously. But I, if anything, I, because I was so silent for so long, 
I would say absolutely speak up. I agree. And when people ask me, I have a story about when my boss threw a stapler at my head and people say, why didn't you report him? And I was like, well, you know, that was 30 years ago. We didn't have right. that. And I think that now you, we do have those mm-hmm. ways of speaking up and being able to have people listen to us that we didn't have even 10 years ago. Yeah. It wasn't here. Yeah. So I'm going to switch into something that I love to do that we'll get some humor in this. Oh, I'm great. Sure. Or maybe we won't. With whatever it is. <laughs> so I want to play I'm Done With That. Oh, wow. So Ooh, I think there are nice. things we're all done with in life, right? Mm-hmm. That if you're if you're in your 30s, you could be done with bad boys in the, when you were in your 20s. Mm-hmm. When you're in your 40s, you're done with other things. So I'll start. I'll give you a chance to think. So I was just, <laughs> I, I was one. listening. <laughs> I'll, I'll be upstage, but that's okay. I love no, being, no, 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 I'm teasing you. I'm teasing fine. you. I was um, listening to Sir Richard Branson at the Forbes Under 30 yeah. Summit. Yeah. And somebody, the moderator asked him a question. And he was so distracted by something else that he forgot about the question. And he said, what was the question? And everybody laughed, right? And I thought, why is it that I appreciate things in other people, but don't appreciate them in myself, mm. right? So if I'm on stage, mm-hmm. because I'm ADHD, so it's really you easy. Are. Oh my God, am I ever. Um, it's really easy. For, it's, it's hilarious that I'm a moderator of panels, because I got to tell you, it's so yes. hard for me not to look at people's shoes. And yeah. not, not to think, wonder wow. where she got those shoes. I really have to like look. And that's why when I moderate panels, I lean in. I don't ever sit back, because I really have right. to like stay Focus. there. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's hilarious, because really my mind's always wondering. Seriously. Anyway, so he says that, you know, so I'm sitting there thinking that's great that he's able to say, what was the question? Like, and to admit, I forgot it. Sure. If that were me on stage, I'd be dancing around it somehow, Uh right? Uh Thinking of how do I answer it? What were we, my mind would just be like going everywhere saying, what were we talking about? What were we, where, what was that story? Instead of just saying, what were we talking about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm done with the not appreciating things in myself that I appreciate in other people. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated him being human yeah. and forgetting. And I never appreciate that in myself. I always have to be perfect, which I'm not. But in my oh, head, I'm the same way. perfect. Sure. So you're sure. done. What are you done with? Well, the one I was starting to, that I was starting to laugh about was um, a few years ago, um, I was dating somebody and he ghosted me. You know that term. Yeah, but can you can you explain sure. it? Sure. So it's basically when somebody just kind of pieces out and they disappear. You don't know what happened to them. There's no rhyme or reason for it. And I've always had a massive sweet tooth. And um, after that happened, um, you know, I did contact him and I found out what happened. But anyway, so I went to, I was very upset and I started eating this huge thing of Swedish fish every night. And I've always loved gummy stuff and I like Swedish fish in particular. And so up for every night, huge thing of it until this 4th of July, I said, I'm going to declare my independence from Swedish fish. (laughs) I've not had Swedish fish since July 4th. Uh, That doesn't mean I don't supplement with other, you know, like gummy bears. Yeah. I don't actually really (laughs) like gummy bears, but like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Not exact. Any other, right. Ice cream, cookies and stuff like that. Um, but you know, in a more serious note, I would say I'm done with, um, there's so many going through my head right now. <laughs> um, I mean, I would say I'm, I'm definitely, definitely done with peating, people treating me poorly um, and certainly making excuses for other people because I now see my value and my worth and I know I'm a good person and I know I care very deeply about people, even sometimes people I've just met 
And if I'm willing to go like above and beyond and other people aren't even willing to like meet me at my level, I'm done with them. And and you should be of all people. And I, I want to share this story with our listeners because you are the ultimate in my books and we don't know each other that well, no, we right? Don't. We met each other recently. Mm-hmm. And so last night, before we're recording, I, my producer, Steve, our wonderful producer, Steve, emails love me. Steve. We love Steve, right? <laughs> Writes, is, emails me and says, do you think it's too late? Because I, I had sent him that you were on. And he's like, do you think it's too late to get Robin to sing a song? <laughs> and for our listeners who don't know, Robin also sings. And so I thought, it was one of those, well, why didn't I think of that, right? And yeah. it was like, well, I don't know. And I thought, well, all I can do is ask. And all you can do is say, no, not probably, but that's the worst that can happen. So I email you and you're like, of course I will. And then it's like, but wait, my key, could you have a place for my keyboard? And it's, it's tomorrow and I've got to get there and I have things to do later on that night. I don't, I can't be taking my keyboard everywhere. And so to make a long story short, there's a lot of moving parts mm-hmm. to say to the answer of, can you play a song <laughs> on the podcast? Right? Yeah. Yeah. So you went through hoops, literally hoops mm-hmm. at midnight Yes, to get was. everything together, mm-hmm. to be able to come here today. Mm-hmm to be able to record a song, not for you. This is not, this is, you're not, I mean, maybe a little bit for you, but I mean, you weren't doing it because you were saying, I need to, rec- I need to play yeah, the song. Sure, you sure. were doing it because I asked you. Mm-hmm. And Robin, that is huge. I'm going to get teary-eyed saying that because that really is huge. I think so many people would have just been like, it's, I'm going to a Broadway show. I won't be home until midnight. You want me to do what tomorrow morning? Mm-hmm. And you didn't. You rose mm-hmm. to the occasion and you brought your keyboard over in the rain in New York City. <laughs> yeah. And you were happy. You weren't even yeah. like, I'm not so sure. I would have probably come in with like, oh, it's miserable <laughs> out there. You come in and you're smiling and you're just so happy. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it was it was another favorite word of mine, a schlep, but it was absolutely, right, right. <laughs> it was absolutely worth it. I mean, uh, more than anything, um, yeah, I mean, I want it to be the show that you want. And whatever I can do to help support that, I'm always willing to do. And I have a hard time when people tell me no, because I am very much somebody who's very resourceful. It's like, well, but I can figure this out. Just let me think of some other ways around it. And you were nice enough to actually let me keep it here. So that was huge. Um, I'm happy to keep it here. I may, I may learn how to play a few tunes. Oh, I would love to teach about, you. Yeah, I would yeah. love to learn. Yeah, I think the funniest thing was that um, I didn't have my keyboard bag because I lent it to somebody. And I text. I actually texted her and I said, could I get that bag tomorrow? But I'm not, she would have to come over at 8 o'clock in the morning. So I, I wrapped it in bath towels um, and then I put it in garbage bags. Which she did. And taped it with uh, duct tape and all kinds of stuff. So it is. it is... You know, entertainment is not that glamorous. <laughs> right, right. But it really shows your heart and that we're Thank in you. the person that you are. Thank and you. so, you know, I think so often we talk about our successes in life and they come with titles mm-hmm. and they come with where we work and all of those mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. But the real ones are who we are. And you're successful mm-hmm. in what you do as well. But the real success is who you are. Thank so you. With, that means a lot because I do work very hard and I care very deeply. And you do. And it really shows. And it shows in your show, when you're in your show and your podcast as well. It shows because it's so genuine for you. Thank you. So with that, now we have to say, uh-huh. will you play a song? Of course, I'd be delighted to. Um, okay, so this song is about one of the most fatal flaws my parents ever made when I was a kid. And all of my songs are based on true stories from my life. So here we go. 
us. It's really nice to meet you. I know you're wicked busy, but I don't know what to do. I'm not like the others. I feel so left behind. Cause I'm the only kid at church camp with the last name Gelfenbein. They never pick me to play capture the flag. They just pick on my nose and my Urkel sleeping bag. They don't want me on their team for the color wars or egg toss. Is that how you felt, Jesus, when they nailed you to the cross? No, I haven't done anything wrong. I just need a helping hand because I'm a little Jewish girl who is stuck here at church camp. I feel all alone, a kosher frank without its bun. I really thought they'd like me, cause I'm the chosen one. But they threw me in the lake, I felt so despised. I thought they were gonna drown me, but instead I was baptized. Oi vey! Being a Christian's cool, it's going really well so far. And guess who's playing Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar? Mealtime's so much better, I don't feel so out of place. I can eat anything I want and join them in saying grace. Oh, the Lord is good to me, and so I thank the Lord for giving me the things I need. Like bacon, sausage, kielbasa, bratwurst, pork loin, knockwurst, anything that's dragging its ass along the bottom of the ocean and ham and cheese. The Lord is good to me. Oh, Jesus, won't you guide me to the promised land? Cause this little Jewish girl was converted at church camp. Hey Jesus, one more thing. My parents are gonna kill me. If you were in my shoes, then WWYD. How will you reach me? Will you give me a sign? You can always holler, I'm in bunk three, cabin nine. You can always holler, I'm in bunk three, cabin nine. Good night, Jesus. Peace be with you. Shalom. Thank you. I just loved, loved, loved that song. I can't tell you how much I love that song. Words like delightful, amazing, (laughs) just hilarious. And now I'm really excited to bring in another energetic and delightful woman, B. Arthur, to bring her into our conversation for takeaways. Everybody, I'm Heather Dubrow. And I'm Dr. Terry Dubrow. Every Friday, check out my podcast, Heather Dubrow's World. We also have a brand new show, The Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig Show, every Tuesday. So don't forget iTunes and Podcast One. Tune in to Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig on Tuesdays at Heather Dubrow's World every Friday. 
Springtime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine and More. Everybody loves honey glazed carrots. A great side dish for your springtime celebration and a delicious compliment to a sweet, bright Moscato. Your Bloody Mary bar will be the talk of brunch with the vodka I'm stalking. Pile those toppings sky high. Serving lamb this season? Try it with a bold Cabernet from the trendy Paso Robles region. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, Total Wine and More has you covered with 8,000 wines, 3,000 spirits, and 2,500 beers at always low prices. Cheers! Mentoring moments. Mentoring moments. Takeaway. And now I want to bring in B. Arthur. And not that one. I mean, <laughs> whenever I, so I'm sure you've heard this before, but On whenever I, I, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> but whenever I told my friend, I was like, you know, I'm so excited. Robin is going to be there and B's going to be there. And she's like, she looks at me and has that look on her face. And she says, you know, honey, I don't know how to tell you this, but she died. And I'm like, I love the fact that my friends think I'm that clueless. Yeah, right, right, right. Like, okay. I They're have like... a person who's no longer alive <laughs> yeah. on, on the show, but neither, it's neither here nor there. So this B, thank God, is alive, yes, beautiful and sitting next next to me. And usually following her name are the words like NPR, MTV, TED Talk, you know, all the big names that come with success. And be's a young woman to be so successful. Mm -hmm. And she is. (laughs) And about five years ago, she launched something that's very disruptive. And it was five years ago. She's a therapist, a licensed therapist. And she started to do, instead of you coming to her and sitting on her couch, you could do it from your home on your couch doing um, video conferencing, Mm -hmm. right? And it was disruptive and it was great. And she got acclaim from so many people of saying, this is great. She's great. What she's doing is great. She was making money. Everything was going great. And then six months ago or so, she had a day where she couldn't get under out from under the duvet covers because she had to shut down her baby. Yeah. I know. I know. Oh, you just took me there. Okay, so <laughs> okay, I'm trying not to take you to a bit to a space, oh. but the good part about the story is she's reinventing herself again. And that's what's so great about it because this is a story not about poor B, right, right. her company went under. It's about everything she learned, everything. And she shared that. She has shared that. She wrote a post for Forbes.com that really goes into it and helps other entrepreneurs or anyone to say, this is what not to do. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the value of it all. You're young. You have a whole world ahead of you. So you're only just beginning. And this oh. is not a failure. It, I'm not I'm not just saying that. It's yeah. not a failure. You had so much right. success in it. And now you're just reinventing yourself one more time. Thank you. You're welcome. I highly recommend recommend being introduced by Denise Rizzo. <laughs> it's true. And, and even just like when we first met, like I was just like, you know, it was one of those days where it just comes back to you. And she was like, by the time I left, I was like, thank you so much. You're just such like an uplifting spirit and energy. Thank you so well, much. Thank you. I say, I say the same thing about you too. Oh, this is, this is great you having you. you guys. We're just having a love fest. <laughs> so much love. Great right. hug happening. you guys. <laughs> So now that we want to hear what your takeaways are, you've been yeah. listening. So B has been with us, listening the entire time that Robin and I have been Did talking to, to the song. Laugh. She's yeah. doing her best not to laugh. That was hard. <laughs> yes, right. That was hard. So what are some of your takeaways that you heard? I mean, first of all, I'm just amazed that y'all are well, y'all are sitting, but still standing. I mean, like, just like I want more stories about more Frank. I want more stories about what those guys did. I mean, those are really in-depth things. But mm-hmm. especially in your case, Robin, I used to actually work in my own private practice with a lot of comedians, oh, and I loved comedian because I live by UCB, and I love comedian clients because they're like 
they're kind of therapists too. All they do is like observe people yeah. and just find things to make fun of. So they're very mm-hmm. like perceptive. Mm-hmm. But I have noticed that like a lot of comedians have some stuff. You know, oh, like, big time. A, some people have a lot of dark stuff. So, yeah. and, but it helps you learn, you know, learn and lean into your comedy, like just seeing the other side of the coin. And so I think that's probably why you have been so successful in your comedy career because you've been through some stuff, girl. <laughs> yeah. You have been through some tough, tough stuff. And you, I mean, like you're able to like really bring out the best in people just because you've been through some tough stuff too. And so, I wish more people were more self-aware and took the time to like mm. learn from every setback and like every like pain point and low yeah. point and you know and the other side of that and so I, one of my favorite quotes that actually somebody sent me after the company closed was you know the more that sorrow cards into your soul the more room there is for joy and you know I'll say that again the more that sorrow carves into your soul the more room there is left for joy later right. so, so I think that's so true I, and I love it and so yeah, as far as like getting past it and not letting it define you or whatever, you move with it. It's not your whole story. It's part of your story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so where you can evolve from that is kind of where I am to, as right now. But so, yeah, that's awesome. Both of you are awesome. Oh, well, we thank you. the same thing about you. Well, I would say like for me, like I kept replaying that story mm-hmm, in my mm-hmm, head mm-hmm. until I actually started telling the story. So it was very much trapped in my head right. where it's like, I'm ugly. Nobody thinks I'm attractive. Like all these horrible, horrible things that... I sort of took away from what those guys said, the way that they saw me, I really like owned that. And then once I started to tell my story in front of other people, uh, and it's a big part of my Wienermobile show, is um, it, people really connected. And I thought, wow, okay, maybe I'm not so alone in this. And the more I shared it, then eventually I could say Vargas and I could share mm. all these stories and not get so choked up. Um, and you have to do it in a way where um, it doesn't feel like therapy on stage because it's like people are paying to see this mm. so you don't want to bring them down you want they want to know that you've gotten through it right yeah people want to go on that journey right. with you they want you to be on the other side of it totally but it's also okay if you don't like have an outcome you know like for me mm-hmm. it was really hard to like tell my story and i think people it's just like you're saying all it is the all therapy is saying it out loud diffusing its power like the more you talk about it the more like you can manage it what whereas what you're talking about keeping it to yourself and kind of spinning on that story and ingesting it and let yeah. it imprint on your soul you can release it the more you talk about it and i feel yeah. like especially this generation because i work with a lot of like you know millennial women they're so hard on themselves and, like, and they just keep it to them and i feel like they talk about things that are hard and they feel like they're whining and then and like your story like i don't think you're whining that happened right. you know those are things that right. happened to you like you didn't ask for it you know you're yeah. just describing it. and i think people worry about seeing being seen as weak or like a baby and it's kind of like no you can own that story it didn't just happen to you you were a part of it and as long as you're an active part of the narrative mm-hmm. like that's how what people respond to you know mm-hmm. you know one of the things i hear younger women are always saying is being able to relate with other stories mm-hmm. right and i think the story robin the stories robin that you told you anyone at all ages you can relate to it we can all relate to that mm-hmm. yeah when you're talking to wendy when you're talking to young women millennials mm-hmm. are there a few themes that come up that they're really struggling with i i hear a lot about young women and wondering if they should have children or not mm-hmm. that's one that keeps coming up <laughs> and the stress that comes with that sure. yeah totally we're actually so in addition to my my resume i'm also co-host and co-producer let me get my plug in yes. for a show called you're not crazy that we're actually taping season two and that's one of our episodes but the pressure of the biological clock and i feel like some of it is self-imposed but a lot of it is like society i mean because like i'm first generation um from ghana and like my mom and my aunts think i have herpes or something they're like why haven't you had kids yet what are you doing to us you know and there's this a lot of some of it is self-imposed pressure but a lot of it is societal just like to be perfect I feel like 
we're just really hard on ourselves and society is hard on ourselves and work is hard on ourselves. So the main themes I see are women or millennial women are very overwhelmed by trying to do a lot. And that comes from a deep rooted, um, not fear, but just kind of belief and self-concept of not being enough. Um, and then, yeah, just like that they're also doing everything wrong. Like the imposter syndrome is very real, not just in your professional career, but just like with their boyfriends. And, you know, people used to like get excited about getting married and having a baby. And now it's like, oh, everyone's telling me I need to freeze my eggs. There's just so much fear mm-hmm. about like everything, all the choices that come between the ages of 25 to 35. And there's a lot of transitions that go on. So, yeah, I would just let everybody tell everybody to do whatever the F you want. <laughs> Steve told me I can't because Steve is the producer. <laughs> It's always somebody and Steve telling you what to do, ladies. But guess what? Do whatever the F you want. Damn straight. Uh, that's not a Carla right, word. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, I want to make sure that we get in a story about the Wienermobile. Oh, sure. I, we, we could just go on with three of us for days here. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I want we need a Wienermobile. I need, oh, okay. I need right. to know. All right. There's so many. I mean, I wrote a whole one-person show about it, and I'm currently working on a screenplay about it, which I'm really excited about. So I think maybe the best Wienermobile story um, would be – oh, my God, there's really so many – but how I got the job because it's not a conventional way that I went. So you all heard about the horrible senior year that I had and how I was so depressed. And so um, I found out that they were looking for 10 people out of a pool of 1,000 applicants. And I thought, what can I do to stand out? And I catered my resume completely to the job, um, saying like I was getting a BSS degree in bologna sandwich skills. <laughs> oh my god! I, my special That's skills, like hilarious. I had an excellent driving record. Um, <laughs> and then like my cover letter was like riddled with puns, <laughs> like like um, a hearty hot dog. Hello to you. You know, I recently traveled to Europe where I got to use real French and Swiss. Franks. What a lucky dog I was. So I was like, but that's expected. Everybody's going to do these, you know, pork puns. So I thought, ooh, one night I just had this brilliant idea and I came up with this cassette, uh, which was called Rockin' Robin's Hot Dog Holiday Favorites. And it was all self-promotional songs. And on the outside, on the spine of the cassette, if you guys don't know what a cassette is, <laughs> it's a tape that used to... It's, it predates uh, CDs. and are CDs? <laughs> You're adorable. And, um, <laughs> and so all the – so it's Rock and Robin's Hot Dog Holiday Favorites. All the letter I's were – I drew uh, hot dogs. I had I drew a Christmas tree with hot dog ornaments and a menorah with hot dog candles, which is completely sacrilege. <laughs> and um, some of the songs were like, Oscar Mayer, do you hear me? Wanna be in the weenie? <laughs> and then my other one, which was my personal favorite, was I was like, I gotta represent my people. So I was like, Robin Gelfin by oh Robin Gelfin <laughs> by that is my name all the time. <laughs> this job will be mine. My shoe size is nine. I'm Jewish, but I dig on swine. Oh my God. That's so the fact that you remember that is so uh, Well, I did the show, yeah. Okay, so, right. uh, so I've many times. Right. So, anyway, so I, d- I did all that. I go to, uh, I got the first interview. He and I got along famously. I wiggled my ears to prove I wasn't lying about my special skills. Mm-hmm. And um, then I went to the second interview where they had narrowed it down to 40 people. And the guy who was in charge of the Wienermobile program, this man, Russ, uh, was like a former army sergeant, very intimidating, one-word answers. And like he 
kind of breathed like Darth Vader. So I was like, Whoa. this guy's so intimidating. And um, they also did an on-camera interview to see, because we were their spokespeople. We were called hot doggers. And I went in for this on-camera interview and I thought I'm pulling out all the stops. It was very like, I felt like I was on a reality show, except there weren't reality shows then. And I was just very aware of my competition. I was like, I've got my secret weapons in my backpack. Mm-hmm. And I, I had, uh, I got to the room, this windowless conference room for this on-camera interview. And I just about crumbled inside because I thought, how the hell am I going to tap dance on carpet? Mm. So I go in and I ask the cameraman to pan down to my shoes and nobody asks you to like come up with these songs, but I did a a parody and I tap danced with absolutely no sound of taps. Um, (laughs) and then I just, and I got no love from the, from the videographer. He's like, whenever you're ready, you're like, just move on to the next. And I thought he hates me. Cause again, like I was in such a horrible like place with my self-esteem and then I was like, I have to redeem myself. So I went in to see Ross. It was my last interview of the day. And I said, did you have a chance to listen to my Wienermobile demo? And he opens his top desk drawer and he goes, oh, you're that Robin? I'm like, oh my God, he knows my work. (laughs) And I said, well, did you have a chance to listen to it? And he's like, no. I said, well, if you want, you can listen to it on my Walkman right now. On my Walkman. (laughs) And he goes, that won't be necessary. Oh, Lord. And I said, how about this? Why don't I sing a few songs that didn't make it on the album? And I didn't give him a chance to say no. And again, we were sitting this close and I, I like pulled out my little sheet of paper in my portfolio and I, and I sang the first song, nothing, truly nothing. Last song I sang uh, and the last thing I said was, I'm going to have this job before I'm dead. Or I sang it. And he went, hmm. Mm. I was like, is that good? Is that bad? I don't know how to read that. And I left and I cried on the whole flight. I just was convinced everybody hated me at Oscar Mayer. And then like a month later, I get a phone call and he's like, Robin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh I know that voice. I know that we're creepy breathing. <laughs> and he said, I would love to offer you a position as one of our hot doggers. And I screamed and I cried and because it was, I felt like he had just proposed to me. I was <laughs> so excited. And because that job to me captured all of the things that I wanted to do in college. Cause I wanted to be on the campus TV station. I wanted to be on the campus radio station. And I didn't pursue those things cause I thought it would invite those bullies mm. to like mock me even more. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to, to them to not see yeah. me. Oh. But I was like, now I get to be on TV and on the radio. And I am like, I am, I get paid to like tell pork puns all day long. Mm-hmm. Like they're paying me to be myself. Yeah. And that was who I lost throughout that whole experience. Mm. So I, I got the job as thrilled. And then I got partnered with this guy, uh, Jason, who started to tease me. And I went through, a, he didn't bully me, but a lot of the things he started to do reminded me of things from college. And so I was trapped in this mm. 23 foot long hot dog for a year with my complete opposite. He listened to hip hop, I listened to show tunes. He uh, was a horn dog, I was a virgin. And like, didn't he didn't wanna do any work, I was an overachiever. So like, just butting heads constantly. And so it ends up being like a very funny story because we're so different. Uh, and I managed to like, speak up for myself in an, an enormous way, which I won't reveal because that is in the movie and in the show and really found a very powerful way to speak up for myself. And then he really respected me after that. Mm-hmm. And we're BFFs. Really? You yeah. are BFFs We're now? very close. Yeah. To this day? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but it's a fun story. It's like the odd couples driving around, this, you know, 
fiberglass hot dog or does a wiener mobile still exist it sure does really bigger than ever here's a wiener whistle for you that's my business (gasps) card (laughs) so we will post a picture of robin's business card it's a wiener mobile and you can blow into it yeah it's right in there Mm-hmm. So as you all can no hear, B is blowing way. into it. Yeah, yeah. We could go on and on. Oh, of so course. <laughs> I'm going to do one wrap-up minute. Sure. Uh, B, I know, I know. B, is there anything that you, anything else you want to share? Anything you want to say? Oh, I'm so distracted by the whistle, by the wiener <laughs> whistle. You know what you say when somebody gives you a whistle? What? Frank's a lot. Oh, get it. <laughs> Come on. He's a charmer. Oh, um, final thoughts. Um, I'm so grateful to y'all. Thank you for letting me listen on this. Uh, one thing that Denise really helped me kind of uh, discover my next step. It's always so good to have somebody who just listens without judgment and like somebody who knows what it's like. So, um, so I'm grateful to you for that. And, and also just like, it's so good to learn about people's lives and just like what people have been through. I'm like, mm-hmm. I love, I love durable battle tested souls. I love them mm-hmm. so much. And you're one and you can still smile and you're still Aww. shine. So I'm just a fan. I'm just glad to be here. I got to roll around and rabbit fur. I'm just glad. <laughs> <laughs> and and you'll come back again for another takeaway I segment. Love, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> No. I'll give a better takeaway. No, 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 no. You did good. Mm-hmm. So to come back for another because I yeah. think this is you all are both wonderful. So quickly, Thank you. where can we find you? Mm. Oh, where can't you right. find me? Is a better <laughs> question. Um, so my my main website is robingelfenbein.com, which is B-I-E-N. And uh, yumsthewordshow.com is where you can find information about our live shows and our podcast. And we've had some big guests on the show before, like Jason Biggs and Morgan Spurlock, people from Orange is the New Black. And um, for Yums and Twitter, we're all, I mean, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram. It's all Yums the Word Show. And B? Um, I am on BeArthurTherapy.com and you can find me there and follow me on Twitter and we'll be doing the You're Not Crazy show coming up and I also write for Forbes so I'll be giving out advice there. And if you see me on the street, just say hey. <laughs> and she's alive. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Let the people it. know. <laughs> you, okay, so we have to do our hug. Okay. Aww. You guys. Aww. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining us today. And to get Mentoring Moments the moment it's available, which is every Wednesday, please subscribe on iTunes. And while you're there, of course, you've got to rate and review. And check out my show notes on Forbes.com. And here's a little extra something. Everyone knows that the world shops online now, and Amazon is the biggest online mall on the planet. But here's something else I'd like for you to know about Amazon. Every time you use Amazon, you could also support this podcast. That's right. And here's how you do it. You go to Podcast One, you click on Killer Deals, you click on my show logo, and you'll go to Amazon, the same Amazon you've always gone to. You'll see your same shopping cart. It's that same site, same experience, but it has a little extra bonus. You're supporting Mentoring Moments. I'd love to hear about a time when you were knocked down because we all are. And how did you pick yourself back up? What about the time that you allowed yourself to be human? And how do you not let others define you? You can find me on Twitter at Denise Ristari. And until next week, keep sharing your stories because your stories matter. Download new episodes of Mentoring Moments every Wednesday at podcastone.com, forbes.com, the Podcast One app, or you can subscribe at iTunes. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. 
Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following following the rule of law, is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.